Welcome to the Lighter Church Podcast, lighting the people to light the world through the knowledge of Christ. Visit www.tlc.net.ng and share the gospel of Christ today. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Let's put our hands together for the mighty God. What a great day. What a wonderful day. What a mighty presence of God in the midst of his people. What a mighty presence of God among his wonderful, beautified people. We thank the Lord for his mercies upon our lives, the opportunity and privilege to be before him today, considering what he has started and what he will do. And all that we are going to experience in him today, we just give him some praise. Praise the Lord. I just want to welcome each and every one of you to this wonderful covenant service. I believe your life will never remain the same again after this service. I trust the Lord to do something new, something wonderful. Something that you will testify about in a few days from now. In the name of Jesus. The Lord wants to perfect all that concerns us. And so the Lord has brought us here to touch us for blessing. And there is no one that is under the sound of my voice today that will live the same way you came. Trust God for a touch. Trust God for a revelation. Trust God for empowerment. Trust God for miracle. Somebody need miracle, the Lord will give you the miracle today. Somebody need change, the Lord will change you today. Somebody need promotion, the Lord will promote you today. Somebody need healing, the Lord will heal you today. It's the kind of healing that is in spirit and in soul and in your body. Wholeness, total deliverance from the hands of the enemy and a release to your destiny. Let's put our hands together for the Lord again. The promise today, the promise for the week, and the promise for this service, which is first foot over service, goes doors. I believe you know that today we are giving our first fruits to the Lord, ceremonially, ceremoniously, but I believe that um, even when you don't have your first fruit yet, you are very much a part of the service. Whenever the Lord bless you with first fruit, you can always drop it for him. So while we created the first Sunday of every February as an official day for our first fruit offering service. And I believe you came with your first fruit as the Lord has given you the enablement. So, the Lord said in Proverbs 3, verse 9 to 10, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruit of all thy increase. So shall thy bounds be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. So shall so shall thy bounds be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Just allow me to say a few things regarding this scripture so that you can draw faith and inspiration to do what you are doing today. And so that you can also settle in your heart that you are doing the right thing. You know, it's very interesting to know that the Lord wants his people to offer him their first fruit. It's interesting that Jehovah will like his people to offer him their first fruit. I will now begin to wonder why is God so interested in his people offering him their first fruit? I thank God that last Sunday we'll be able to deal with the principles behind that and I believe you have understanding if you have not quite 
have clarity on that. I believe we also have it on tape so you can listen to it or have it on CD as it were. But I'm trying to underscore a few things this morning. That God is actually interested in his people doing certain things for him. And then he thought it through his wisdom and said, I would like my people to be giving unto me their first fruit. And it's further interesting to also realize that he said that giving me your first fruit means an honor to me. It's an honor when you give me your first fruit. And since the Lord sees it as an honor to him, he decided to give his people a promise of blessing to reward them for the honor. <clears throat> when somebody honors you, your heart will be made for the person and we appreciate the person one way or the other. Just for the honor. God loves to be honored. And we also love to be honored. And we give honor to who honor is due. But that's the character of God. The Almighty God wants to be honored. And He's saying, The way you can honor me is give me your first fruit. The same Jehovah that we are serving, unless He has changed. So it has reasons, which of course are the principle that we, we dealt with last Sunday, why he had to say that. What I just want us to understand that it's an honor unto God when you give him your first fruit. And because he so sees it as an honor, he decided to make a promise. When you honor me with your substance, what you have worked for, your wealth, your possession, when you honor me and allow it to go to me and give me the first fruit of your labor, of your increase, the first fruit of your earning, the first one, when you honor me doing that, then this is what I will do for you. As you do it, so shall thy bounds be filled with plenty. And so thy presses shall burst out with new wine. What a promise of totality of God's abundant blessing to his people. The one that can do all things. The one that knows all things. The one that controls all things. The one that silver and gold belongs to. The cattle in a thousand here belongs to. The one that owns the world and can touch the heart of men to favor those that he want to favor. And he's saying, when you decide to honor me with your substance, and you decide to honor me with the first fruit of your increase, this is what I will do. I will do the thing that is beyond what you can do for yourself. I will fill your bounds with plenty. And thy presses shall burst out with new wines. Overflow blessing, abundance of blessing, wonderful, beautiful blessing beyond your level, beyond your work, and beyond your comprehension. This is what I'm going to do when you decide to give me the best of your first. When you will decide to make it an honor unto me, to give it to me. It's very easy to ask, what do God wants to do with that? What do God, why is he so interested? Why will he call it an honor? And why all these heavy promises as a result of that? He knows why. And we'll be able to understand why in the course of this exposition. But he requires it. He asks for it. 
and is looking for the obedient people to do that for him so that they can have what he promised them to have. Isn't that interesting for us to understand that we have come here this morning to honor God among all things with our first fruit. We have come here this morning to give him honor as we present our first fruits to him. From the scripture, two things happen when we offer our first fruit to God. Two things. And I want you to note those two things that emanate from this scripture of Proverbs 3, 9 to 10. Two key things happen. One is honor to God. When we bring our first fruit to him, the Bible says we are honoring God. We are honoring God. It takes your honor unto God to bring your first fruit to him. You know, there is a difference between offering God something and honoring God with your offering. There is a difference between offering God something. You can offer God something, but you are not offering it as an honor to him. That is why David said, I will not give God what costs me nothing. You can offer God something, but not as an honor. That thing you offer him is not befitting of him. It's not respectful of him. Don't get me wrong. It's not the amount. It's not the quantum. It's not the volume. But first the heart. And then the sacrifice of it. First the heart. To say, God, I want to honor you. I want to honor you with this then how sacrificial it is for you. Because God cannot take any kind of thing. First, it must be from a clean heart. And then it must be something that costs you something. It must be something that is something you can give. As I am giving this to God. It's not like I am giving it to my friend. I am giving it to my son. I am giving it to my daughter. I am giving it to a neighbor. I am giving it to my sibling. I am giving it... Yeah. Okay, you can give anything to anybody. But when it gets to God, hey, wait a minute, pause before you do that. Because God, first and foremost, wants you to cheerfully give him. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. But come from the abundance of your heart with joy that I'm going to give God something. You don't give God grudgingly. You don't give God, you know, with sadness in your heart and say, God, take. You have asked for it. Take, take. Abraham was... As much as that was painful to him, he didn't think about sacrificing Isaac twice in his mind. God, if you say it, I am going to do it because you are worthy of it. That's honor. He didn't have to debate with God for him to give God what God expects him to give to him. So there is a lot of difference between offering God something and honoring him with what you offer him. In the case of our first fruit, God sees the offering as an honor unto him and not just an offering. So you must see it in your heart that I am not just going to give God out of necessity, out of law. We are not operating under the law. Out of the fact that God has asked for it or the church does it. It must be from your heart that I personally, you know, this race is purely an individual race. Purely an individual race. I cannot implant my faith on your faith. I can teach you faith. I can make you understand faith, but I cannot practice faith for you. And faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. So it's an individual thing based on your conviction. 
And if you check through the Bible, everyone that have excelled with God never walked by formula. It's just how it came into their minds. Spontaneously, they begin to do things and God will feel honor about it. And God will begin to do something about what the person has done. So we don't do it like a crowd. God sees not just our physical appearance, he sees the intent of our heart. He reads our minds. He knows the purposes of our heart. And that is what is key to him. That is most key to him when we are offering him things. He sees your heart and he sees your intent. It's because of the fact that God is above everything and is our master and our God. He expects us to really honor him. Honor him in our worship. Honor him with our substance. Honor him. Everything we do with him should be some have some level of honor. And he said, when you give me your first fruit, I will see it as an honor. So it becomes a demonstration of God's word to you. So it's an act of your worship to God. It must be your worship to God. You must give it because God wants it. God wants it. God wants it. If you are going to a native doctor for something, they will enumerate what you need to bring. One thing after the other. The horn of this. The stomach of this. And all manners of things. And so I can't I can't find the feces of um, of a cockroach. Okay, it's not a problem. I get it for you. Just drop the money. Okay. So you monetize things you can't personally. As a matter of fact, the more you say you don't, you can't bring, the better the deal because you will monetize those things. And lo and behold, whether they, they bring those things or not, it's not really a problem. You just want to solve your problem, isn't it? So you just monetize it. Baba, I don't have, I don't know where to get this. Ah, you know, there are people from, um, you know, from, from Lagos. You don't, I know you don't know, but, you know, this one should be like, 50,000, the other one 30,000. It's going to cost us a lot of money. By the time you add it up, it makes something substantial for the, for the man and he's, he's happy about you. Or he's happy with you, as it were. But now, those things were supposed to be used to do something for you so that your life gets better. It has nothing to do with your honor to those gods. They could be sacrificial in nature because it spends pain, you to bring out the money or to go and search for uh, the head of an elephant or something. Okay? But it has nothing to do with honor. Native doctor, I give you what you want me to give you, then give me what I want. But God does not work that way. As much as God deserves to be sacrificed to, he chooses the sacrifice he accepts and not to accept. Cain offered. Abel offered. But he accepted the sacrifice of who? Abel. What about the sacrifice of Cain? It's not that you sacrifice that makes it for God. Unlike the native doctors. Once you have, they have ticked the boxes, that's good. But with God, he looks beyond the ticking of the boxes to your intent and purpose and whether it's actually an honor to him. And that's where the difference is. So whatsoever you are doing for God, whether you are serving in the vineyard as a worker, whether you are giving your money, you are giving your time, 
You are whatsoever it is that has to do with God must be done with honor. Otherwise, it's not acceptable to him. He doesn't need it because he's God. Whether you are worshipping him, whether you are playing instrument for him, whether you are ushering, whether you are in the children's church, or whatever department, or whatever capacity, if it is not an honor to God, forget it. You are wasting your bloody time. It must be, God, I am doing it because I love you, I reverence you, and I fear you. You are God. You are worthy for me to give this. And if you have that at the back of your mind, no matter what anybody tells you, head of department, pastor, friends, neighbor, you don't feel bad because you are honoring God with what you have and with your service. You don't feel proud. You don't feel, uh, you know, perturbed in any way. When somebody says some, something that is not complimentary, when you are doing the things of God, because you know from your heart, I am, it's an opportunity and privilege for me to honor God here. It is an honor to God to sing your praise, to worship you, to be used by you to do things. If it is no honor, then forget it. Because God will not be pleased with it. So whatever we are doing with God should be a demonstration of our, of our worship to God. You are simply saying that God, you want this. And so you should receive the best of my first fruit. Not necessarily because he so needed it, but because he's worthy of that thing you are offering to him. Just like the story of David that we also mentioned last Sunday about the water of the well of Bethlehem. God didn't need that water. But the value of that water is the life and the blood of men. And he felt that's a great opportunity for me to give God something very special. Hi. This is a good thing to give to God Almighty. I won't miss this opportunity. I won't miss this opportunity. And he offered it to God. And the sun dried the water. And he was happy that he gave it in the name of God. And God was just looking at him. The more the sacrifice or how painful it is for you to give him something, the more the demonstration of your worship to him or your honor to him. Therefore, the more sacrificial your first fruit offering is to God, the more honor you show to him. How many of you truly want to honor God today? Hallelujah. Let it be. The next one that happens as the scripture of Proverbs 3, 9 to 10 tells us is a demonstration of our faith in God. Apart from the honor that God said, if you give it, you are honoring me, which God expects us to give anything to honor him to be very sacrificial and worthy of giving to God. You can't come to the king of your place and uh, say, King, I have a present for you. And you bring him rats. Or bring him the equivalent of what you have to give to your to your domestic servant. You, you have not honored the king. In fact, it becomes an insult. You rather have to keep it to yourself than for you to offer him something that is not worthy of the king. That is why a king can be more excited when a little child that has nothing brings his toy that what's almost nothing 
and go before the king and say, King, take my toy. The king will value that toy that that little boy gave from his heart than you that brought a million of an attire to him and you know that that one million thing to him is just equivalent to what you just gave to your driver. You just gave to the beggar on the street. He might accept it if he wants to be polite but he won't use it. Because that is not what he uses. And it does not represent an honor to him. But don't be surprised that that king will decorate his living room with that beautiful toy of that young boy. And say, king, what are you doing with this toy? One young boy gave out his only toy to me. That is honor. How many of you want to honor God today? Praise the Lord. Like I said, the other one is demonstration of your faith in God. Offering our first fruits requires our faith. So apart from the honor, something that God expects when we are giving him our first fruit is faith. Faith in the sense that there is a promise attached to the offering. He said, if you honor me with this, this is what I'm going to do for you. There is a promise that is attached to our giving him our first fruit. And that's simply a demonstration of faith to the offerer. The reason is that first fruits don't come at very convenient time. It doesn't come at convenient time. The first fruit of your increase. In those days, it represents the early harvest. There have been a time of famine, a time of lack, a time of challenges, and that's the time you sow your seed. And your seed now, all of a sudden, after some time, begin to prop up, and now you have the first harvest. You will say, ah, thank God, I will now enjoy. We have been through a period of starvation for a long while. And God said, give me the best of that thing that just came. Ah, God, you know now, <laughs> we have been going through famine. We have been going through challenges. Now I just have this little thing. And I have needs. I have what? Needs. I don't want to count the needs so that we don't say that pastor said you should use your children's school fees money to give to him as fair food. I didn't say that. But I'm simply saying you have needs. I don't know what the needs might be. And you say, God, me, if I remove a part of this, I am doomed because I can't meet up my needs. God, you know my needs. And I leave this first fruit. Let me wait for the second fruit or the third fruit. God said, no, what I want is the best of your first. No, 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 God. You understand now. You know. If, for example, you have made this first fruit too plenty, then I cannot give you the best of it. But it's small. God said, that is why it's the first fruit. There is a later harvest. The later harvest is going to be plenty. But this is the first one. And I said, give me the best of this one. I go, you know, this one is not enough. I mean, I have five children. And I need to feed the five children. They have been starving all along. We have bills to pay. I need to sell a part of this to be able to get things done. And God, if, if I will remove a little part of it, God said, who gave you that in the first instance? I know you are the one that gave me, but allow me to use it. God, can we bargain second fruit or third fruit, please? <laughs> and we begin to argue with God because of our need and our necessity. So it's no more sacrifice unto God. It's no more honor unto God. God said, give me the first fruit. And so God now decided to say, apart from the honor, let me give you a promise of what I can do as Jehovah. I will enlarge your coast. I will increase your bounds. I will make your presses to bust out with new wines. I, God, will do it. But give me your first fruit. 
I know it's not convenient, but give it to me. The widow of Zarephath wanted to eat her last meal with her son to die because there was no more for them to eat. And God sent Elijah to the woman. And Elijah came to the woman and said, God sent me to you to feed me in famine. The woman said, I don't have anything to feed anybody. The only thing I have is just the last meal I need to eat with my son. And after that, we just wait till death comes, like people that have been dying. And Elijah said, well, it's God that sent me, and if he sent me, I need to eat first. Give me that that you are supposed to eat. I know you need it, and I know if you don't eat it, you will not be sustained. It's like you are dying now, what you would have died like in one week. But just give it to me now. You cannot even die now. But the woman said, well, if God said it, is it not death after all? If I eat it now, maybe one week. All right? I will be sustained. But if I don't eat it, maybe two days. What difference does it make? But if God sent you, eat, Elijah, eat. And I believe the man of God. I, I, I mean, I wish it's me. I don't know. I maybe I would have said. Woman, let's share this thing. Uh, don't, don't worry, I pray to God to supply you more. Elijah ate that food, finish it, lick everything. <laughs> and the woman and the son were looking at this man of God. You mean this man finished it? It's not even enough for Elijah to eat. He's been trekking from the brook. He was famished and tired. It was almost like asking the woman, Do you have more? I don't have more. Now, this is the one I have that we are supposed to eat and die. But thereafter, you will see the provision. They saw the provision of God that they never imagined. And God gave them abundance. Because the miracle happened. And God began to fill their jars with oil. You know, we think we are wise to the extent that we think we are wiser than God. You know, at times you do certain things and say, God, this thing you are saying doesn't make sense. I, I, I think I have some level of intelligence here. I think I can understand here. When my kids cry, what are you going to do, God? When the landlord complains, what are you going to do, God? When, when there is hunger in my house, what are you, you want me to give it to the man of God or what? You want me to give it to you and give it to the church? The church can, even the pastor has said that whether you give or not, the church can be sustained. So, why are you worrying me, God? This first fruit, let me deal with it first. So, God is saying that it's a demonstration of our faith when we give him a first fruit. The sense that you believe that what he promised will be done to you. That is where faith comes in. The word of God says that when you offer your first fruit, you are believing him to bring his promise that he will fill your bounds with plenty and your presses shall begin to burst with new wine. That means you are believing that it will come to pass as he has said it. So God, if that's the case, this is not convenient, but I'm going to give it all the same. Simply means that God we create abundance to your later harvest through your first fruit offering that you give to him. So if you so believe this, need will be made possible. Because you believe that God is going to enlarge your course and increase it. But if you don't believe that this promise will happen to you, even when you like to honor God with your first fruit, your giving might not necessarily be sacrificial. Because you are withholding more than meat. God, take this one. Take this. Is it not first fruit? Who is going to see? Take this one. But for me, aha. Uh -huh. And God said that does not honor me enough. And that's not a work of faith. Because you are not readily expecting anything from God in return for your offering, 
So you give it out. The way it will not hurt you. Or will not affect what you plan to do with the money. This is why uh, first fruit should be sacrificial. The more sacrificial your first fruit is to you, the more the evidence of your honor to God, and also the more the evidence of your faith in His promise to you. Am I understood? I can hear you. One major area the Lord tries our faith or the faith of His people is in sacrificial giving. Sacrificially giving our substance to Him. He uses it to try our faith. He tries us to know how much we believe in His word and how much we trust Him concerning what He has said. But simply because we are human beings, we naturally tend to withhold as much to ourselves as our security or for our security. And it's just because you're a human being. So, that woman would have said, let me secure myself for a week. As human beings, we need to keep certain things as security for ourselves. And that is wise. And that is wise enough. But that's why we have problem with God. God does not really want us to be the source of our security but him. That is why the Bible said that God supplies all our need according to his riches in glory. So he tries us to know how much we believe that he can secure our life and our future, not ourselves. So he should always be our source and he should always be our sustainer. As he promised, quit is our security and not what we acquire. So when there is a demand on what you have acquired, by God, just know that he is your security. And you need to give it so sacrificially that you are saying, God, this that I have didn't come from my might or power. You are the one that gave it, so you are the source. And you will remain the sustainer. Jesus said in Luke chapter 3, I mean chapter 6, verse 38, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet without shall be measured to you again. The same proportion. So God is saying, give first. Then expect to be given. We know it. We recite it. We say it always. But we don't seem to practice it. Like we believe it. Please, you must offer your first fruit today as an honor to your God. You must see it first as an honor. Then you must attach your faith that God has promised and God will bring his promise to come to pass. God will release grace to abound for you. That is what he has promised. The thing that were difficult for you, I will make it easy. I will increase you. I will enlarge your course. What you are struggling, I will make it available for you. That you don't struggle anymore. But give me what you have. The spiritual basis to expect your latter harvest from him is on these two principles honor and your faith in him. Honor and your faith in him. Permit me 15 minutes to wrap up something that you will never forget all the days of your life as long as you live. In trying to conclude this, both giving honor to God and sacrificially offering things to God ties up to one word, faith. When you honor God, or when it is up to you to honor God, it's because you believe that there is God. You believe that he's he's the almighty God. You believe that he's the only source that you have. And so, if I don't honor him, who is my king, my lord, my savior, my everything, who else will I honor? 
So it takes faith based on your understanding of God for you to honor him with anything. Hebrews 11.6 declares, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. Also meaning it's impossible to actually honor God. It's impossible to do something that will be pleasing to God without faith. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So this issue of honor is also a product of your faith. Am I understood now? It's also a product of the faith that you, you have God and that God is the everything of your life. Therefore, our faith in God is the background of everything that we do with God and for God, including but not limited to our obedience of his word. Not limited to the obedience of his word. When you have faith in God, you can do anything for him because you believe that there is God. Even that honor will be given to him because you believe that he is the only God. That is why he tries to give us the greatest miracle we can ever get from him through our faith. Check your Bible. Check how people receive things. Especially in the ministry of Jesus Christ, he keeps saying, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has done it. I've never seen this kind of faith. I can't resist this because faith has been expressed. So if you want to have the best of God, you must be a practitioner of faith. This is why God said, you cannot please me without faith. So God tries our faith till it no longer makes sense to any human understanding. The trial of our faith, the Bible says, walk at patience. But God will begin to try your faith till even you that is practicing the faith, it wouldn't make sense anymore to you. God said, that is it. That is it. It's not even making sense to him, but again, he's still standing by faith. It's no more making sense for him to do what he's doing, but he's still doing it all the same. It's becoming risky for him to be believing me for this, but he's still doing it all the same. Everything is running contrary to what he tends to believe in, but he's still doing it all the same. That is faith in its perfection. So once the practitioner of faith holds on to God and does the things with God to the extent that that person starts looking foolish before men, and then that is where faith becomes real faith. Don't forget, without faith you can't please God. The just shall live by faith. So I am closing by letting us know that the faith that moves God is laughable faith. People that have laughable faith, they won't even want somebody else to know what they are going to give as first truth because they will say you are stupid, you are foolish. They will laugh at you. <laughs> so what are you trying to do? With all these bills that have lined up, with all these things, you don't even know yourself. Heaven help those who help themselves. And so you become laughable. Especially immediately after that, the landlord keep knocking, the challenges keep existing, things seems to be worsened, and somebody said, look at you, foolish man. Laughable faith. A situation when your faith gets to the level where even you yourself will laugh at yourself for still believing what you are still believing. <laughs> How am I believing this? But still, you are not giving up faith. When your faith is looking like a joke, almost based on nothing, than just the fact that God has spoken. This is the Abraham kind of faith. The faith that brings out possibilities from impossibilities. Genesis chapter 17. I never know that Abraham laughed. Genesis 17, verse 15 to 17. And I think most of you don't even know. Genesis 17, 15 to 17. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai, 
thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her and give her a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Look at verse 17. Then Abraham fell upon his face <laughs> and laughed. <laughs> Please God, you must be joking. <laughs> Abraham did what? Fell on his face and did what? And laughed. And said in his heart, in the course of the laughter, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? He was already hundred. He had um, Ishmael at 87. Ishmael was 14 years older than Isaac. Between Ishmael and Isaac, there was no child. I do not came after 13 years to announce to me that my wife, Sarah, is going to have a baby. Where? When everything has finished, even me, I'm finished. So he, he just began to laugh at God. And began to question the wisdom of God. And shall Sarah, that is 90 years old, bear? And because of the fact that he laughed at God, he didn't believe at that particular point in time. He now went to say, God, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, no. Sarai, thy wife, shall bear thee a son indeed. And thou shalt call his name Laughter. You know the meaning of Isaac? Laughter. You shall call his name what? Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting, everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. And for Ishmael, then of course I'm going to bless him. Genesis 18. Nine to fifteen. And they said unto him, they're talking to Abraham again. Where is Sarah thy wife? Sarah thy wife. And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah had it in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and were stricken in age, and he ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of a woman. Therefore Sarah did what? Laughed. This God must be very funny. <laughs> he didn't understand that I stopped seeing my menstrual cycle 30 years ago. <laughs> How would this thing be? He's just joking. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a shorty bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah thou shall have a son. Then Sarah denied. I laughed not. I didn't laugh. Oh. Where did you see me laugh? God saw the laughter in her heart that was not expressed on her face. You know, we laugh at certain things. <laughs> But meanwhile, that's the laughter from your heart, but your face is saying something different. Praise God. Yes, it can happen, but you are, you are laughing. Your heart is just jumping, laughing. You just need for that person to leave that you now face the wall or face your pillow and begin to burst into laughter. Sarah said, I didn't laugh. Did you see me laugh? Because she was afraid. And he said, nay. But that did laugh. You actually laughed. 
What you will see. Even with your laughter, at the time of life, I'm going to come back to you and you will have your son. Now listen to this. If Abraham and the wife, Sarah, laugh at the impossibility of their having children because they know themselves. When they laugh at the impossibility of what God wants them to believe, you can imagine how many persons that would have been laughing at them saying that they are foolish in their faith. If something is happening and you are laughing at yourself and you are laughing at what God is saying and you still go ahead and announce I am Abraham, the father of many nations, but not only this one, this is Sarah, the one that is the mother of nations. When you leave, you know what they will do? They will so laugh at you. They're foolish people. Don't they realize their age and laugh? You know what's not about laughter? When people are laughing at you, you don't know. You don't know. You will come and enjoy. When people are laughing at you, you don't know. You don't know. You will come and enjoy with them, hand now, hug them and all that. They will just wait. Then after they will make call and they will laugh and laugh and laugh. He came here and was giving me some fabulous testimony. He didn't know how deep his problem has gotten. He's still believing God at this time. <laughs> and he says he's a friend of God. He has a covenant with God. He needs to find out and search himself. Because even you find out and search himself. Because even you too, you are laughing. You, are, you couldn't even really believe, but somehow you are still standing by faith. But if you can laugh at your situation, how much more others that hear about what you are still believing God for. And of course, they will come in their subtle way to advise you certain things. And they say, no, I still believe in God. Ah, I believe in God. Yeah, we all believe in God now. But they will laugh you to scorn. But who cares? You are still trusting God. You are still believing God. You know you are still working with God. Just keep on moving. Keep on moving. Because Sarah believed that others would have equally been laughing at, at them. And so she had to laugh at herself. She had to laugh at the promise that God has given to her. Also the husband, Abraham. Sarah laughed. Abraham laughed. But when the child came forth, Genesis 21.6, Sarah said, God has made me to laugh so that all that are here will laugh with me. There are two laughters here. The first one is the laughter of mockery concerning the promise of God for your life. Which you don't even only laugh but people will laugh at you. Then the other one is the, the laughter of testimony. And he said, now I'm laughing a different laugh. But I know a lot of people that laughed at me before. Let those that now hear begin to laugh with me. Because the story has changed. The laughter is now different. A new day is done. Those days were secret laugh that even Sarah herself denied. But now it's an open laugh that everybody will see. There are different kinds of laughter. And so, the Lord named the son laughter. Isaac is one of the greatest miracles that's ever happened to humanity. Because it's likened to the miracle of the birth of Jesus. Where the impossible became possible and gave birth to possibilities. And so, it was a laughing stock for Mary to ever say to people that the Holy Ghost was going to pregnant her as it were and she was going to have a child without, without a man. Stupid Mary. You must have gone out, out of your mind. You are getting too religious. So Jesus was almost like Isaac but much more 
different from Isaac because he was a child of divinity. The laughter of mockery also came to Mary like he came to Sarah and he came to Abraham. People began to laugh at the foolishness of believing the impossible which also includes the believer himself. Then came the laughter of joy of miracle of the impossible becoming possible where those that laughed at you secretly we begin to laugh with you openly. This is surely going to happen to people this year in this church. I said, this is surely going to happen to people this year in this church. And some people will begin to tell you, do you know that Francis laughed at you? Do you know that Adobe was laughing at you? Do you know that sometimes when we are discussing, we are laughing at you? He said, confess it, bring it on, bring it on. How many of you? But now, what is the situation? Ah, I know that the Redeemer... Let them laugh now. They are coming to laugh another laugh with you. God will make it to happen for you as it happened for Abraham and Sarah. This is your new dawn. As you honor the Lord this morning with your first fruit, the heavens will open for you and God's abundance will come your way. The two live gates to your blessing shall be open continually and the gates will no longer be shut. Your latter harvest of abundance is hereby guaranteed today. Your barns will begin to be filled with plenty and your press is bursting over with new wine. You are going to be who men never thought you can be. For the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former. And every blessing you have received before will be too small compared to what the Lord wants to do. The testimony of the latter now is going to make more men and women to come into the kingdom like the blessing, much more than the blessing you had before. The Lord is going to honor you as you honor him today. The Lord is going to bless you as you bless him today. The Lord is going to make the impossible become impossible for you today. As you decide to give him your first fruit, the Lord will give you the best that he has for you. You will go to places you have never been before. You will inherit the thing you never thought can be possible. The blessing of Lord will come unto you to show you the ways that you will go. And you will never lack any good thing again. The Lord will lift you up to the extent that those that have been lifted up will call you blessed. You will be so blessed that the blessed will call you blessed. The distinguished will call you distinguished. And the promoter will call you promoted. The zeal of the Lord will do it. And it's starting from now. In the name of Jesus, stand to your feet and begin to give him praise. Stand to your feet and begin to give him praise. Lord, I thank you. I give you all the glory. I thank you for who you are. You are still God that does all the miracles said to Sarah, is there anything too hard for God? <laughs> Just stay in the place of obedience and trust in God for there is nothing too hard for God to do. Don't allow your human mentality to affect the way you relate with God. Enlarge your scope. Enlarge your vision. Expand your understanding about God. God cannot be boxed or limited. Give him praise. Father, we thank you. We are about to give our first fruit to you and we trust you to do what you said. We are in covenant with you regarding it and I know you keep your covenant. Use it to demonstrate how powerful you are in keeping covenants. Use it to demonstrate what you do to people that honors you. Use it to demonstrate how you honor the faith of those that trust you. Father, we give you glory. Thank you for what you are going to do today. For the whole world, we hear of it. The testimony will go abroad. Because you are going to do something that people we never thought can happen to us. Enlarging our coast and expanding us to the extent that people will begin to preach with our testimonies. 
Father, we trust you. As many as put their trust in the Lord shall never be ashamed. Use this first fruit to remove every shame that has come away over the years. And lift us up to the extent that people will begin to worship you through our testimonies. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information on The Lighted Church, visit tlc.net.ng or follow The Lighted Church on Instagram and Facebook. God bless you.